in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I am Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the patriotic Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> I am. I, I do feel patriotic, Brian. I, I'm envisioning an American flag blowing in the wind, an eagle, a fife, eagle flying in and landing on your shoulder, <laughs> like the the Lawhawk, the Lawhawk commercial <laughs> commercials, yeah. mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Got That'd the Fourth of July, Fourth of July, right coming up here soon. Mm-hmm. Right around the corner. Right around the corner. Got the temperature to prove it. Yeah. Yes, we do. Right, do you have any Fourth uh, of July plans? Laura's going to be out of town, mm. so I'm going to attempt to blow the house up <laughs> from your deck. Just yes. <laughs> I I figured you know get some old granddad and some <laughs> bottle rockets and. Um, just go after some squirrels. Just start shooting things all over the place. That's a good recipe for fun. Mailman, shoot him. Wow. Uh, Whoa, this is... Glenn, come over and record no. the podcast, shoot him. Not, no. Note to self. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. So anyway, that should be interesting. Uh, I'm not really going to do that. Uh, that would be against my insurance policy, which yes. I would not ever do. Mm-hmm. And against the uh, code of Lawrence's, you know, city ordinance of shooting. That's true. Fire, uh, class B fireworks. It's in, illegal uh, to shoot off fireworks in Lawrence, Kansas. Mm-hmm. So I would never do such a thing. Mm-hmm. And I find anyone that would a complete and total jerk apple. Jerk apple. Yes. It's repulsive people. It is. How dare you? Uh, and so anyway, I wouldn't do anything like that. So I don't know what I'm going to do for my Fourth of July. I will probably. I don't know, do some grilling for myself, I guess. Ooh. <laughs> Throw a little party for I, I don't know. Get some American flags and just start waving them around. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm picturing you just walking around in your boxers grilling things uh, yeah. outside on the porch. And I, I don't think that's probably far off from the truth. <laughs> uh, but anyway, speaking of uh, American flags and being in your underwear. That's right. Uh, we are co-founders of a site called Gentleman.com. And uh, Gentleman.com is an incredible way to show your patriotism for the United States of America. Mm -hmm. Being that Glenn and I are Americans. Red-blooded Americans. uh, If you go to Gentleman.com, you can show your support for America by doing so. Mm. And all you have to do is really simple. All you really got to do is go to Gentleman.com and click around on things. Just start clicking things. It doesn't even matter what it is. Just start clicking around on stuff. That shows that you are a true patriotic American, and what a great time of year to show your true patriotism by going to gentleman.com, then the 4th of July. What a great time to do that. You know, Brian, a little known fact about Gentleman, when we first set out to create the site, mm-hmm. I was tasked with making a logo Yeah, that would hopefully make somebody laugh. Right. And I likened it after a, a drawing I saw of Teddy Roosevelt, a little, mm-hmm. and you know, who, what, what, what's more patriotic than Teddy Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt was a true American badass. Yes, he was. That's uh, that's been documented in several publications. So just the nat- follow the natural progression there. Right. Sites based off of Teddy Roosevelt's face. Right. Patriotic. You're doing your civil duty. That's right. By going to the site. Exactly. Some say you know, going to court when you get 
the uh, we get called for jury duty. Yeah. That's like your patriotic duty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe voting is mm-hmm. your patriotic duty. Mm-hmm. No. Going to gentleman.com. That's the most patriotic thing of all. Except for going to podcast.gentleman.com. Right. And only true patriot. I mean, we're talking about like Adams, Jefferson. Yes. Roosevelt. These guys would have been listening to the Gentleman podcast because they were true par- patriots. Yes. So if you want to be really patriotic you can, this 4th of July, you can go to podcast.gentleman.com and you can listen to every single of our previous 90 episodes in a row. That would be, that would be, uh, if you have a couple weeks, <laughs> if you have a couple weeks and an maybe, iron will, let's say, let's say you're caught up on Game of Thrones, firm constitution, and, uh, you want something else, you know, done with Game of Thrones, you're all caught up, Game of Thrones. that guy died, oh no, uh, then that lady was princess, yeah, I'm making this all I up, don't know because I have no idea, yeah, I don't know anything about the show, um, so you're like, oh, that's not. I'm all cut up. Podcast.gentleman.com. Wait, you what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Podcast.gentleman.com is there for you. Just We'll pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. And so uh, anyway, stop over to podcast.gentleman.com uh, and listen to some episodes. Click some things on gentleman.com. And then if you want to, this 4th of July, get in touch with us. Send a letter over the Gentleman mailbag at P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas 66044. We will get your letter. We will take it. We will consider it. We will uh, put it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know and love as the Hall of Fame. Uh, we will uh, talk about it on the Gentleman Podcast, and then we'll uh, send you a little something back. That's right. Just a little something. A little token of our a appreciation. A token of our appreciation for uh, sending us your thoughts, concerns, questions, grievances. Maybe a picture of a, a wound you suffered while lighting a firecracker. Or civ- Civil War reenacting. Send you us know? your finger. Exactly. If you blew it off. We'll uh, attach it to something. We'll nail it to the wall. Yep. Um, and uh, so anyway, and if you can't send a letter to us, because maybe you just blew your finger off with a firecracker, mm-hmm. uh, you could uh, send us an email, which would probably be just as difficult, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. we are in an electronic age. Uh, so you can send us an email at uh, com. You could go to Twitter or Facebook or Pinterest or... Uh, Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Instagram, yeah, we're up there um, every now and again, and uh, stuff like that. And just you know, send us a video of your question, send us a picture of your question, send us a pin of your. Qu- I don't know. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop. Just we're get in touch with us here. Yeah, we just get in touch with us somehow. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll get it. We'll get it rolling. So anyway, Glenn, speaking of getting it rolling, let's get into the uh, meat of the episode, which is the drink of the week this week. And um, Lawrence, Kansas, just recently got a hold of this beer. Whoa. This is a this is a new brewery that we haven't featured on the Gentleman Podcast before. I don't believe I've not heard of it. Okay, uh, this is called Bell's Brewery, and it is in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Been around since the early '80s. Hmm. Um, saw it. I, I you know they had several kinds. There's probably six different kinds at the liquor store when I was there, and had a hard time narrowing it down to, to which one I was going to get. Uh, but I settled on the Oberon Ale, which is a summer American wheat ale. Mm. So it sounded pretty good. I don't know much about this brewery, um, other than they're Kalamazoo, Michigan. I read their story a little bit. It's kind of your standard right place at the right time brewing story, where somebody somewhere in the late 80s started brewing beer, and now the chickens are coming home to roost, because Mm. craft brewing is so big right now, uh, they are just blowing the doors off the place. They've got three different breweries now, and all this stuff, and millions of barrels a year. I don't know what it is. I'm making that up. It's something like that. Um, but anyway, I, I really appreciated uh, about this beer. I, I watched, they have a short video about this beer. 
okay, called Oberon Ale. And every year, the first time they release Oberon, they go to, they have comp- people that work at the company go around to the different bars that are going to sell Oberon in, in mm-hmm. the town and in a couple areas around there, and they throw parties. So they throw a first tapping of Oberon parties where they'll, at midnight, on the date, they tap the first kegs and they just they have a big celebration for it. And it was, it was pretty cool, actually. It, huh. It's something they do every year. Uh, and they do giveaways, and they have a whole big party thing going on about it. And it's just like the idea is that it's it's still cold out because it's Michigan, right? But it's just about to be summer, so it's like the the coming of summer uh, party. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. That's kind of awesome, kind of cool and unique, and um, seems like a good brewery. Uh, still owned by the same guy that started it back in '83. Uh, and uh, one of the things I also picked up from the video I watched was that for a long time at their brewery people would ask for an orange with this beer and he used to get ticked off about it he's like i you know i didn't understand that i don't know why people wanted fruit and said then one day i woke up and i was like you know what if they want to have an orange slice with that beer they should be able to screw it like who cares you know Mm -hmm. if that makes them happy then we should do that yeah you know so it's like a blue moon exactly yeah so anyway we'll we'll find out we'll find out what it tastes like here so we uh let's go ahead and pop these things open and see uh, no orange slices brian uh no i'm not i'm not on that train oh natural i'm with this guy i'm I'm going commando with this beer okay um oh thank you sir missed (sighs) okay what are you looking for Glenn? I'm just, it, I'm taking in the, the sights and sounds of the beer. Yeah, it's, uh, it's got some good, good packaging going on. Got a good website. Mm, it smells good. That's a sniff right there, Ryan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cheers, cheers. guys. Mm-hmm. A lot like a blue moon. That's, that's got some hoppiness to it. Back of the label says uh, Weed Ale Spicy Hop Character. Yeah. Mildly fruity aromas and the color and scent of a sunny afternoon. I like this. It's got a little bit of a stingy aftertaste. Yeah, yeah but it's not. It's not too bad. Uh, pretty crisp and refreshing for a, mm-hmm. a nice summer beer. It's it's not like really thin. It's not too full. Yeah. Nice. It's a nice happy medium of interesting things going on here so okay well let me roll through some stats on this deal um this beer was 9.99 okay uh it's a little bit higher than we normally go for 8.99 is kind of the 8.49 8.99 is kind of the medium price um so 99 9.99 is a little bit a little bit more than usual and all their beers around 9.99 so i was like yeah that's kind of pushing it mm-hmm. um I, I searched the dark web and they said that the IBUs were 50, but I don't buy that once I've tasted this. This seems more like a 38 or a 40 on the IBU scale. I would agree with you. I don't feel like this is... Usually when the hops are over 50, you know there's, yeah, there's hops I don't strong. and This I, is still pretty smooth. I would be surprised if there are actually 50, unless, 50 hops. Unless it's IBUs. like a real mild hop or something? I don't know. Um, I, I would be shocked. Their, their website doesn't list the hop or no. the IBU units. So um, I like their website. Yeah, doesn't try to do too much. Yeah. It's nice and yeah, I like that. Pretty smooth. Um, and then anyway, and then also the uh, original gravity was one point oh six. Very important. Yeah. You know the so that's gravity. something to keep in mind as well. 
Now, now I got it. Man, I really wish I had an orange slice with this. Because I do. I do like fruit in the beer. I bet you do. <laughs> All right, Brian. Question. Pop quiz hot shot. Corona or Corona with lime? Well, Corona with lime. Okay. All Mexican right. Mexican beer is different. Oh, uh, w- wait. How? <clears throat> it just is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> If you're having a Mexican beer, you gotta have a lime. You said it was such like authority, and he said it just it's is. Di- it just is. All right, everybody knows that. Well, that's true. A lot of people get orange with their wheat beers, <laughs> their wheat ales. Yeah, lunatics, lunatics. I can tell you, I I find a blue moon with an orange superior than a blue moon au naturel. I don't really drink blue moon. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is that <laughs> I think anything will take, make it taste better. That's true. It's, it's not bad. It's just yeah. kind of a yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. All right. So, Let's anyway, get down to brass tacks. Yeah, so now you know the stats. You've tasted the beer a couple times. What If you had to put a rating on this beer that's completely your own making, what would mm. that be? Well, it's unique, Brian. It's interesting. I would love to go up to Kalamazoo yep. for the party mm-hmm. and tap the keg yep. and try it straight from the source, but we can't. We're limited yep. by mm-hmm. geography. I, would, I, would, I think I would give this... Uh, what did you say the price was again? Nine ninety nine. Oh, so a little high. That's the. That's one of the things that's not going to back for me a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm. Uh, oh man, I don't. I feel like it's still in the eighties, but I feel like it's a low eighty. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go eighty one. You're gonna go eighty one. I was gonna go eighty three. Eighty three. Because I like. I think it's. I, I like it. I would mm-hmm. rate it higher if it wasn't nine ninety nine. Prohibitive. And you know, I gotta say, being a Midwestern. This isn't a San Diego beer. <laughs> this is not a New York beer. <laughs> This ain't from New York City. That's right. This is from Kalamazoo, Michigan. They shipped it straight south. I yeah. I I don't know. So anyway, I feel like the nine ninety nine. That's a little pushing, a little bit much. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Glenn, it doesn't matter what we think. Nope. Uh, we got to recap this stuff for the MTS, the Mustache Twist Scale Computer. We'll type this stuff in here. Okay, we said, uh, and then we'll get the empirical rating for the uh, for the Oberon Ale from Bell's Brewing Company. Uh, okay, so we said the price was nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. We said that the uh, original gravity was 1.06. Mm-hmm. The alcohol by volume is 5.8. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say the IBUs were actually 40 because I, I think yeah. that's closer than what they actually are. I would be surprised if they're 50. I think the dark web, somebody, you know, somebody somewhere was somebody fat fingered. You it. can't really, yeah, you can't trust the dark web Mm-mm. on these things. Um, you got to taste your palate. Taste. You gotta trust your palate. You gotta trust your palate. Yeah, exactly. So uh, okay, so that's 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 the factors that we know about for the uh, for this particular ale. So now we just gotta sit back, relax, and let the MTS computer work its magic. Okay. But the proprietary algorithm, it will give us the exact right score of this beer. Have we heard anything back about the uh, patent that's pending on the MTS? Uh, you know the algorithm? patent office is all messed up. You know, I'm, I'm, but what I am looking forward to is when we get that patent back, we can finally sue Apple mm-hmm. for patent infringement. That's right. Just like everybody else. The iPhone infringes on several MTS computer patents. Here's what's going to happen. You and I are going to set up shop in a little town in Texas. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that I'm is favorable ready. to, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, uh, trolls is such a hard word, look, harsh word. I, I, look, we patented a system for inputting information and outputting a score. Yes, into a computer and out pops a score. So, does that sound familiar? Uh, hello, App Store. Uh, I yeah. didn't want the cat out of the bag. I guess I just went ahead and said it. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, Pretty sure Microsoft has also... Cortina? Uh, Bill Gates. Yep. What are We're you... coming for you next, buddy. Yeah. I don't know if he's got any money. Uh, 
Not that that matters. It's it a doesn't principle matter to thing. us. It's a it's, principle. It's about them using our technology. That's right. It's a principle. Um, and speaking of our technology, Glenn, we finally got the printout. Came okay. out here. We can Great. go through and um, let's just get through this report here. I really like how, how it, it self-binds it. Yeah. It's yeah. just really handy. Let's see here. Page. Set page. Last time it was like 89. Right. Okay. I'm going to go back. But this one has a whole chapter on the party, I think. Exactly. They throw the and Oberon party. Okay. Yeah. All right, so page 96 this time has uh, the MTS score on here, and it, it says it's an 8.2. Mm. 8.2 on the MTS scale. Interesting. So that's what it comes back as, uh, and you can't argue with the MTS computer. No, no, you can't. It is infallible. It is proven. Not even uh, Apple computer could argue with the score that we just gave this beer. It has a plus or minus of zero. <laughs> that's what it is. Standard error, zero. That's right. Um, <laughs> we got we got to figure it out. Uh, but something that sometimes does argue with the MTS is the snobs over at beersnob.com. That's right. Uh, so let's take a trip. <laughs> take a trip over there and see. Did what you the type beer in snob. beer snob? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's what I typed because I was looking for beersnob.com. Oh um, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's eighty-six mm-hmm. on beersnob.com. See and yeah. the snobs give it a slight edge. So how many how many hops did they? Yeah, exactly. How many IBUs did they say it had? Didn't. Oh, it didn't. They, they don't say on that site. I had to search the dark web. Oh, they don't know. So I got on mm. Pirate Bay, and I was like, "Which <laughs> Pirate Bay? That's the dark <laughs> web." Which how many IBUs? Pirate Bay. I also uh, got a sweet movie. Uh, yeah, exactly. Downloaded. I think uh, Gina Davis is on it. <laughs> Gina um, Davis. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's move on. Go to some interesting posts from gentleman.com dot com in the last few weeks or so. Can it get any more interesting on the podcast? It certainly can because, well, Brian, crime happens everywhere. Yeah. It happens mm-hmm. in the Midwest. It happens on the East Coast. Sadly, it happens on the West Coast. It happens in Kansas. It happens in, say, Oregon. Right. It happens in Walmart parking lots. It does sometimes. But what doesn't normally happen is described by this next tack, posted mm-hmm. by our good buddy, Jordan. Mm-hmm who has been a friend of the site for a long time mm-hmm. and has posted many wonderful things and always has a pithy comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, anyway, Jordan has posted this tag titled Rancher Lasso's Walmart Bike Thief. Mm-hmm. And it's, this is a Fox News article. And um, there's a uh, report in Eagle Point, Oregon, that a rancher jumped on his horse and lassoed a man who was trying to steal a bicycle in the parking lot of Walmart. Oh, yeah. And so this guy, Robert Broga, was was loading dog food in his car. Mm-hmm. Or not his car, into his truck. And attached to his truck, he had a horse trailer. As you do. Okay, so he heard... Uh, he heard he's kind of an, he's an older gentleman, and he heard some lady screaming about somebody's trying to steal her bike. So um, what does he do? He quickly gets his horse out of the trailer, hops on. Oh, by the way, his horse's name is Long John. <laughs> he hops on Long John and grabs a rope and he lassos the man who's. <laughs> this guy. He's struggling with the bike. He's having a to, hard time trying to figure out how to <laughs> get the gears to roll. So he's like trying to run away with the bike holding it. Uh-huh. And he lassos him and. Brings him to the ground and manages to keep him on the ground until the police come. Yep. Which, you know, takes a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, yeah. So, Borbo was uh, quoted as saying, 
I use a rope every day. That's how I make my living. And if it catches cattle pretty good, it catches the bandit pretty good. Yeah, it does. So, uh, yeah, the officer on the scene said that that was, uh, they've never, that was a first. That was the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it brings up an interesting debate on uh, <clears throat> gun laws. Mm-hmm. You know, why why aren't we regulating lassos? Brian? It's true. Um, I'm sure that the uh, the victim here, the bike thief, uh, probably scuffed up his knees and stuff. So. He actually he did. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it, I don't think it'd be very. It, it wouldn't feel good to be running with a bicycle <laughs> and have your legs cinched and fall straight to the ground. <laughs> Not only that, Brian, but Borba dragged him to one end of the parking lot. <laughs> so, so uh, that's what you get, thieves out there. Take note. Just, I mean, don't, it's a broad daylight. Yeah. Do it in the dark, you know? Like, yep. I mean, I'm not trying to give people ideas, but man, you got to be smart about this. I like um, to think even in the, uh, in, in the dark, Borba would have been able to lasso his, lasso his thief. Well, I, I think so too. Um, so there you go. A great tack, a great story, and the lead image for this is just great too. That's awesome. Um, it looks like the Lone Ranger out there. Yeah, he basically yes. passes prime a little bit, but the Lone Ranger nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, okay, Glenn. Well, that uh, next up, we're going to talk about a tack that our well-respected and liked member Chet Manley posted, um, and this is called an excellent response by a private citizen to a government agency's request for access to a private property. And this was very popular on Gentleman.com. Everybody loved this, with good reason. Mm-hmm. So let me give you a little bit of background. Larry and Amanda Anderson, they received a formal request. And this is, again, in Oregon. This is, a lot of stuff's going on in Oregon. Yeah, this is the Oregon-themed uh, podcast. Um, Larry and Amanda Anderson received a letter from the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife last month, and they wanted access to their private property to, quote, survey the creek um, to look for foothill yellow-legged frogs. Which, you know, seems legit. Yeah, I've, I've done I, that. I don't know how many requests I fielded for this on my property. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, Larry and Amanda, they decided, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to these guys. They said, after considering the request, they sent a deep, detailed reply to the agency. Uh, the letter does grant permission for the state to enter the property and survey the creek. However, it also included a litany of requirements needed to be completed. Permits vehicle inspections, stamps, etc., before any representative will be allowed on the property. Additionally, once the permit, stamps, and inspections had been satisfied, the letter went on to list the only kind of survey gear allowed to be used in capturing the frogs <laughs> mandated the nets be made of 100% organic cotton netting with no longer than an 18-inch handle. That's right. Uh, so the Larry and Amanda sent this long response that just went through just about every kind of permit and... You know, stamp and... They have to buy licenses. They have to buy frog survey licenses. Parking permits. Um, Frog habitat parking permit. They have to go through an educational and get certified thing. And it's like $750. It's all imaginary, but it's like a $750 course where they get certified in handling uh, yellow-legged frogs. Right. Uh, So it's this whole thing that they went through. And uh, it sounds like it's all tongue-in-cheek, though, because... They asked they, the uh, the guy that they sent this back to. Uh, Larry, uh, I guess Larry Anderson knows, and because it says in here, they they asked him what he thought of the letter that they responded with, and he said, 
Uh, he said he didn't know. He's like, I better give him a call next Monday. <laughs> so it sounds like it's a good back and forth between a couple of people that actually know each other. That's pretty awesome. But it is kind of a. It's funny because it's kind of it kind of hits close to home because right of all the uh, red tape involved with environmental. For you know, for there, there's two sides to every you know argument as right. to why you should have that and why you shouldn't have that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it does make light of the, all the silly hoops that people have to jump through especially when it comes to endangered species and there's a lot of even just to go fishing or whatever yeah you know and, what I mean? and this isn't even this isn't even to um to, like they're not trying to, to what they're doing isn't going to hurt the species right they're trying to study it right and so anyway yeah. it's funny that to send a formal letter to like hey yeah can we come out and look at your property for this right yeah you know, but it's government at work brian that's true government in action that's right um, so anyway, I don't know what the outcome of this will be. I hope Larry and Amanda decide to let them come study the yellow-legged frog because they're caught in the middle of this. The they poor are. yellow-legged frogs are... The foothill yellow-legged frogs are the real victims in this back and forth between the government and private citizens. This is a laughing matter. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, I hope this brings awareness and that Larry and Amanda allow them unencumbered on their property to to study the yellow-legged frog. Let me let me let me throw a wrench in this, Brian. Yeah. Let, let's maybe maybe this is what's really going on. Maybe Larry and Amanda are putting up this you know smoke screen. They're putting up this uh, all these hoops to jump through mm-hmm. because maybe they are the ones responsible for diminishing the population of yellow-legged um, frogs. I wouldn't be surprised. Frog legs are delicious. <laughs> and what if they find a what if they find a little like a mass grave? Or like if there's a bunch like of bones. a happens to be a bayou restaurant <laughs> on their property. Oh, come on, y'all, y'all. Yeah. You're just a frog <laughs> Uh I don't know. We, we'll, I, hopefully they'll follow up on the story. I, I don't know. We'll never know, Glenn. Well. Uh, so anyway, thanks, Chet Manley, for posting that. Everybody on Gentleman loved it. And you can come check out the link on podcast.gentleman.com because there was a whole – they published a whole letter. It's an awesome letter. It's very creative and well done. Uh, so I encourage you to go to podcast.gentleman.com and check out that letter. You will love it. You will love it. Well, rounding out the tax mm-hmm. for the week, we have a, we have a little twist. Yeah. Um, our good buddy Razorback has posted uh, a, a a tack with the title "Badass of the Week," Julianne Kopke, and I, I, I'm probably not saying her name right, but it's a good guess. Um, and this is from the site badassoftheweek.com. Um, which I feel like it's been on the site, which has been on Gentleman yeah. a few times. <clears throat> but so. anyway, this uh, this particular badass, Julianne, was in a plane crash in 1971, and she went down in the Amazon rainforest. Mm-hmm. And she was 17 years old, a quiet high school student. Anyway, the article goes on <clears throat> to talk about how she was literally the only person to survive this plane crash. 91 people. 91 people. She was the only one to survive. Landed on the Amazon floor, dirt floor. Oh. And so she had to, not only she had to get out of the plane with a concussion, um, a bungled up eye, deep cuts on her legs and arms. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's some other. And it's not like she was getting out into like collarbone. the yeah. uh, Western Kansas plains or yeah. something. Yeah. It's not like she landed in a strip mall. She landed in like one of the most dangerous, right. rain, you know, forest jungles in the world. Right. So, so she put her uh, instincts to use. She grabbed some some uh, supplies from the wreckage as much mm-hmm. as she could and she started trekking 
And she tried to find, you know, um, she knew if she could find people, she'd be okay. So right. she followed a river, a water source, which opened up in a river. Which, and anyway, the whole story about how she followed this river and waded through piranha-infested waters, and eleven days, eleven days, and she finally passed out in a uh, a lodge of some kind. And oh, and she only had one shoe. Yeah, uh, to make matters that much worse. So anyway, it's a crazy story. Mm-hmm. Um, and but she managed to survive being yep. ship oh, not shipwrecked plane wrecked plane wrecked stranded in the middle of the Amazon. Well, what I thought was crazy about the story and um, hard to believe but amazing uh, was the fact that she the the plane didn't really crash. The plane exploded in midair. <laughs> And it split apart. Yeah. It, like, blew up, basically. And it got hit by lightning. It was like a freak lightning thing that split the whole of the plane. And it, it basically split. And she fell in her chair, in her airplane chair, about two miles down. Still strapped oh, outside in. outside of the plane? Mm-hmm. Oh. Still strapped in. And she she hit the ground. Like, she blew through the trees in her, plane, in her chair and hit the ground... And survived somehow. That is crazy. I wonder if the trees like kind of yeah, stopped kind the of fall slow a her bit. down a little bit, and then she was able. I mean, she broke a collarbone, but anyway, the the, the plane just basically blew up in midair, and uh, she the ninety other ninety one other people died. It said when she like came to, she looked around and all she could see were corpses everywhere, basically, and then you know the yeah. wreckage of the plane and all that stuff. So anyway, but she went on to become a uh, she got a PhD in zoology. And uh, still studies wildlife, and she had grew, grown up around that, and that kind of helped her with. Yeah. Her parents were biologists, and so that helped her understand her environment a little bit because she kind of grown grown up in that uh, kind of environment the whole time she was alive. But how crazy would it be? She's like a who's a high school senior. Yeah, seventeen years um, old. So pretty amazing uh, study of uh, you know being able to survive in a. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. You just gotta like wake up and figure out how the heck to get out of there, basically. Said she grabbed some candy and just started walking. Yeah. Basically. Looked for some water and kept walking. Because, you know, the, the the floor of the Amazon is, like, covered in trees. There's no there's a canopy, so there's yep. no way to yeah. know which way you're going or sunlight. Right. And Anyway, the bottom of the article, it shows a picture of of uh, Julianne going back to the, the, the crash site of where she actually crashed. And mm-hmm. she filmed a documentary in, two, in uh, 2000 to talk about it. So... Should, uh, what a lady. I should go pick up that documentary. Check it out. I bet it's pretty good. Let's see if it's on Netflix. But maybe it's on Amazon? <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Well, anyway. Well done, Julianne. And well done, Razorback, for yes. posting yet another mm-hmm. amazing link. And again, I'll, uh, there's the Badass of the Week is actually a great site because they pick out these people and they write these really good write-ups about the story that's very you know humorous and kind of tongue-in-cheek but um yeah so anyway if you want to check out the link go to podcast.gentleman.com like i said before and we will link it up on the this episode's summary page um okay glenn well it's time for the um toast of the week Mm -hmm. and this week uh something happened it's been in the news um the nba finals just got over is that no? That's basketball. That's basketball. Okay. Okay. Fake basketball. Pro basketball. Pro okay. basketball. Okay. Um, startling comeback from the Cavs in Game mm. Seven. Best leads, of all time, I hear. Leads to a national champ. 
to a world, world champion. Cha- world, a world championship. World America championship. World America championship. Uh, Canada's in there. So. Canada. Canada America championship. Yep. Uh, and that uh, LeBron James brings his uh, Cavs, hometown Cavs uh, championship, mm-hmm. an NBA championship. Um, so, yeah, we're going to toast LeBron James. I mean, you know, look, this guy has gotten a lot of accolades in his life. Mm-hmm. And I figure it was time that we gave him the ultimate. The, the gentleman toast. That's right. He he won't yeah. he won't get any higher. He won the championship. I fear like you know finals MVP. Yeah, you yeah. got a regular season MVP. You got it. You got it, LeBron. We're gonna get. We're gonna toast you. All right. What more do you want? Exactly. I mean, he, yeah. We're 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 gonna call him after this show. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk to him. And confirm. Let him know yeah, that it's coming. You know. We'll, we'll try to get a soundbite from that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he he put up something like. Um, a hundred points or something in the last three games or something like that. I can't. I didn't watch the finals. I watched one of the games. Um, Pro ball isn't that exciting to me, but yeah. this one had a this one had a crazy storyline. So I, I did pay attention, uh, and yeah, it was incredible. Um, just the the drama throughout the series and everything. But LeBron has suffered from you know he's had he's been on these great teams, um, but he has this um, the uh, an mo. Of uh, kind of kind of uh, falling back in the when in the, in crunch time, kind of falling apart, mm-hmm. and it's kind of stuck with him because I think it happened when he was real early at, when he first started with the Cavs. Mm. Um, but anyway, clearly, I mean, he he basically took the team on his back. Yep. Um, not all himself, but he he was the the main the main one to storm back from a three one de- deficit. So, mm-hmm. pretty amazing story. Yeah, what I liked about LeBron. Uh, Winning the championship is just that he's really. It seems like he's just really all about getting this done for Cleveland. Yeah, because uh, it's been 52 years since they've had a professional championship of any nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Browns have been woeful for you know yeah. however long uh, since Jim since Brown like the was 60s, there. 60s, I think. Yeah, since Jim Brown was there. Um, but uh, he was he was saying that you know he wanted he he wanted to bring a bring a championship and he went to high school in, in Cleveland there so he's a he born and raised Cleveland yep. guy. Um, I'm sure it must have just have been a real kick in the balls to when oh. he went to South Florida. That must have been pretty brutal yep. for uh, Cleveland fans. But I gotta say it's probably gets him back into their good graces in a, in a big, big way. All you, sins are forgiven. Yeah, arms wide open when you can That's get right. that championship back. And, uh, you know, there's all that stuff when he came back to the, uh, the Cavs and they switched coaches because he wasn't getting along with the, the coach very well. And yeah. Lots of personnel changes. Everybody's mm-hmm. questioning him, like, can he, you know, yeah. can he get it done? And he got it done in a big way. When it, when it counted, he got it done. Um, On the road, no less. Yeah, and uh, I was actually reading something funny. Like he, they had, what did they lose the first three or something yeah. like that? And so or they went one and three. I mean, I, th- I think. And then he, it said in the, he was like trying to find inspiration for what to do. And in the locker room before one of the games, he played uh, the Steve Jobs commencement speech from Stanford <laughs> as one of the. And uh, a couple of the guys, like Kevin Love, said that that really inspired him and, and stuff like that. So. <laughs> That's pretty funny. LeBron's crazy. He yeah. he uh, <clears throat> he gets off the plane in Cleveland, and he's wearing a uh, shirt. It's an awesome '80s shirt, and it has the Ultimate Warrior, the WWF or WWE. At the time, it was WWF. Okay. WWF, you know, 
wrestler mm-hmm. and a real, real uh, kind of a jab the Cleveland or the Cleveland at the uh, Golden State Warriors, uh, which is pretty funny. I yeah. thought he, it was a great finals. Um, yeah, and historic. So historic. Yeah. Well, you know he deserves it. He, he does. deserves the ultimate accolade, which is the gentleman podcast host. So, an, 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 a side note that I thought was pretty awesome too about the finals. So after the the Cavs won the game, they went out and they partied mm-hmm. somewhere in Vegas. I think I don't know. Yeah. They're in they're in Sacramento or not Sacramento. They're in Golden State. Gosh, I don't know where the Warriors are at. I don't I don't know either. But they're in California. Right. They make their way to. Uh, <clears throat> They make their way to Las Vegas somehow, <laughs> and during during all the partying and everything, one of the key players, J.R. Smith, uh, takes off his shirt and is partying, and then they go to Cleveland, and they get off the plane, and J.R. Smith still isn't wearing a shirt, <laughs> and he's out there like with a trophy, and he's got like no shirt on, so they had a, a rager. a uh, good, good trip to Vegas. I'm sure he smelled wonderful. Oh, man. Uh, after- <laughs> That's awesome. Ah. Uh... That's right. That's pretty much how it is. Like when we built Gentleman. Yeah, we flew so, to Vegas. Yep. Yeah, I lost my shirt. Right. Anyway, well, now uh, LeBron has the ultimate accomplishment—a toast from the Gentleman Podcast. Hey, this has only been given out ninety other times in That's the history right. of the in the history of all time. And think of the people he's 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 up there with. I know. Um, Gene Autry. Yeah. Um, we toasted Gene Autry, right? Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, these are Jim Carrey. These are these are legit, you know, world changing people. Margaret Thatcher. It's, <laughs> yeah, I think that was episode uh, thirty six. We are Margaret Thatcher. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, uh, cheers to LeBron James. Cheers, LeBron. <clears throat> okay. This is a good beer. Yeah, it's good. I like it. You can you can keep drinking it after. You know. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, you're not telling me I can keep. No, 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 no. I'm keeping these for myself. <laughs> I'm saying you can keep. Fine, drinking. I'll just go home. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Glenn. Okay. Well, it's time for the um, uh, hot buddy topic. Um, and this week, Glenn. Uh, so this there's something that happened, and it's not funny. No. But it got me thinking about stuff, and uh, it's something that I've been kicking around in my mind for a really long time. Ever since I saw the Tesla Model S design, mm-hmm. um, there was an actor uh, this past week that that passed away, unfortunately, in a horrible freak accident. Um, Anton Yelkin, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody knows him as kind of Scott, uh, Mr. Chekhov from mm-hmm. Star Trek, and a bunch of other. I've seen him in a ton of stuff. And U five seven one. Have you seen that one? Yeah, he's he's got a, a real. I mean, he's been in a lot of movies. He's, ever since he was a kid, he's been in movies and. Um, I've really liked a lot of the stuff he's been in, um, but anyway, the point is, he had a, he had a Jeep Grand he had a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and he thought he had. They're speculating that he thought he had placed it in park, but in fact he hadn't, and it crushed him. You know, which is yeah. awful. You know, yeah. terrible. Um, but the, the reason why they're speculating about that—that's the cause of of why of the accident was the fact that that Jeep had been recalled because when you go to put the car in, into park or neutral or drive, you literally pull the gear down to the right place and then it returns to the top of the console every time. So you have no visual idea 
of where what gears. So it always looks like it's in park. You know what I mean? Why would they do that? In, in all cars, you know, if with an automatic, at the top is park. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it it that that Jeep for whatever reason they did this. Whatever gear you put it into automatically returns to the top, so it almost looks like it's in park when it's not. So they're speculating that since he was driving that Jeep, that he would have assumed that it was in park. You know, for obvious reasons, because it looks like it's in park. Um, because you've been trained your whole life that right. it's in park. You know, uh, and the reason why I was talking about Tesla earlier is because when the Model S came out, um, their big thing was they put all the controls. Every single thing that they could possibly put, except for the ones that they, by law, had to put switches in for, they put on a big touchscreen mm. console. And that, uh, when I saw that, I just immediately thought, that's not a good idea because, I mean, there's like, you know, tons of data about how people change switches when they're driving a car and people modify the air conditioning. Yeah, uh, and stereos while they're driving the car, and without any kind of feeling. I mean, a lot of people can can most people can if they're driving their car can make changes to air conditioning and uh, and radios without seeing it. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, if you've got a touchscreen, you have to look at it. You have to take your attention away from driving to find what you're supposed to be doing on your touchscreen and do that. Um, so anyway, it just got me thinking about how far is too far with the whole touchscreen uh fancy cool elements where you're actually endangering people by doing this stuff even though it looks slick on a you know on a tv screen or whatever you know when it gets into real life it gets a little bit scary sometimes man that is i didn't realize that that in park it made it look like it was that's what i read about it was that that it, it was confusing to people and it had already caused they they had they basically were saying it had already caused about a hundred accidents. I'm smelling a recall. Yeah, th- yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it, it, it oh had been gosh. recalled. It just it, they oh. hadn't really, it hadn't like gone all out or whatever. I don't know how that worked, but it is. Yeah, I don't know. This is like part of. I mean, it's two separate issues, but this is why I'm also afraid of the whole self driving thing. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's just something about. I, I have to argue with that, that. That if there was an autonomous thing there, they would have been like. It's rolling backwards. Stop it. Well, that's true. That's true. You know what I mean? I, I don't mean... I, I'm lumping it together with technology doing everything. Yeah. As opposed to, like, you know, a handbrake for for putting it in a park. Right. Or, you know, you're flipping your blinker up right. and down with your hand. Yeah. Or, you know. Mm-hmm. Or you're signaling out your window left yeah. or right with your... <laughs> that's a little joke there. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. But I found this interesting article from 2012, and, and it's called. Uh, it's from a website called Cooper.com, and it said it's a blog about design business in the world. Um, and this is an interesting article where um, the uh, the author Golden Krishna um, says he goes through a little bit of the history of stuff, and he says, you know, the best interface is no interface. And what he means by that is that. Um, he gives a few examples here. Um, for example, he gives the speedometer of a Mini Cooper. He said they recently integrated a touchscreen into the middle of the speedometer. And on this touchscreen, you have several options, you know, navigation, radio, all this stuff. And also, you can check your Facebook 
on the speedometer. You can check yes. your Twitter Seems on the like speedometer. You can check gentlemen. Right. You can check gentlemen on the speedometer. Mm-hmm. You can do a Google search mm-hmm. on your speedometer. Because, you know, when you're driving and you're going 70 miles an hour, what else would you like to be doing besides, you know, looking at Twitter on your speedometer? Right. right. Um, he gives the example of the fridges where they have, you know, touch screens with apps. So you yeah. can check Twitter on your fridge. That's good. Uh, you know, he gives an example of a giant touchscreen in a hotel lobby, like for no apparent reason. Like, why do you need a giant touchscreen? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but the the I, I love this thing that P points out about car manufacturers too, and that is that you know probably almost all car manufacturers came out with smartphone apps. This is from 2012, so this is a long time ago. So they, so I mean, I'm sure by now it's it's pr- pretty ubiquitous. Um, so all car manufacturers came out with smartphone apps to unlock your car. And so he goes into detail about how this feature is supposed to work. And when you hear the actual that, – that, that sounds like a great feature. You, now you can unlock your car with your smartphone. Sure. On paper, it sounds great. You don't have to have keys. Yeah. But when you listen to this list of what has to happen, it makes way more sense what I'm about to say. He says, number one, a driver approaches, approaches her car. Number two, takes out her smartphone out of her purse. Number three, turns her phone on. Number four, slides to unlock her phone. Number five, enters the passcode into her phone. Number six, swipes through icons trying to find the app. Number seven, taps the desired app icon. Number eight, waits for the app to load. Number nine, looks at the app and tries to figure out how it works. Number ten, makes a best guess about which menu item to hit to unlock the doors and taps the item. Taps a button, number eleven, to unlock the doors. Number 12, the door unlocks. She, number 13, she opens her car door. And now that's obviously blown out of proportion. But, Simple enough. But seriously, that, that's crazy. And he says, instead of all that stuff, he's like, you know, 13 years ago or 12 years ago or something like that, they had the technology and they started using it where you just had a fob yep. and you walk up to your car <laughs> and it, we don't even have to touch it. Yeah. It's in your pocket. Yep. You walk up to your car. So instead of the 13 steps, there's three. A driver approaches her car. The car doors unlock. She opens the car doors. Yep. So mine works. Except it's, you have to touch the handle, but because I have a key in my pocket, the handle just automatically unlocks the door. So his point is just that, you know, all this stuff is just crazy. Like, why are we doing all this stuff? And I guess, I guess the only answer is marketing. Oh, absolutely. People think you need apps for everything. 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 Opening your car. (laughs) That's how crazy that is. You know what? I bet what happened, well... I shouldn't say I bet what happened, but I think maybe a, po- a possibility of what happened was is these there's these aftermarket remote start apps, right? Okay. You 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 take your car and you get it souped up so it can you download this app and you can start your car from inside your house. Are you talking about like a non automotive manufacturer thing? It's a third party. Yeah, but the, okay. the, the concept is still the same. Well, that actually makes sense. Uh, where you're inside your house, it's right. cold outside. Right. I'm gonna flip open my phone and turn on my car. Yep. Uh, I don't have to go outside. Remote still my underwear. Exactly. Remote yep. start. Right. I guess you don't need an app for that. They have. They probably have a thing on a fob right. or something. But yeah. the concept's the same. Right. And so I think maybe I don't know. This is just my guess, but maybe to keep up with the Benjamins, they're like, oh well. Yeah. Got to have an app to unlock your car. I think how useful that is. You don't have to have keys, Brian. I just don't. I don't understand. I would rather use a key than my smartphone to open up my car. Absolutely. Now I would, I would go the old school key route. Here's another. Here's another example. The old school key. Yeah. Why not? I, I would take a over. Key. Yeah. Yes. Over an app. Absolutely. Right. What if there's an emergency? Right. What if your phone's dead? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what if your phone's dead and you don't have your key or whatever? Yeah. What if you need to get in your car super quick? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like you just stole a bike in a Walmart parking lot. Exactly. Like, this guy's got a lasso. He's got right? a lasso. I got to get out of here. <laughs> you don't want to be taking out your smartphone. To drink. Well, you, you get drug across the parking lot. Right. And you're like, yeah. Trying to get it. <laughs> right. Get it to your phone. Oh man, this is just ridiculous. I don't. I, I'm really resistant to this. I love technology. Yeah. I think it does amazing things. I love. I love new technology. I cannot stand personally the most of the connected stuff. Yeah. Um, I just. I would just rather be old and curmudgeonly and do things yeah. the old fashioned way and know when things are on and off. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time for people to get over the smartphone thing. Yeah. It's already seeming like it's a little old hat. You know what I mean? Everything yeah. having an app. Yeah. And I feel like in time people will understand that there, there's a time and a place for an app. And there's that's not the only thing that you need to be using. I mean, I read Elon Musk's book, Back to the Tesla. And he said as soon as he saw... it was I think it was the original iPhone. He was like, oh, that needs to be the interface for the... I think he, he was designing this supposedly before the iPad came out. So 2006 or something okay. like that. So um, he said he saw the iPhone. He's like, oh, that's what we need a big touchscreen for the you know thing. And it's like, it's different if you're able to, when you pick out your phone, it's pretty obvious. You pick it up and you look at it. Yeah. Because you can. Because you can. When you're dri- <laughs> Most of the time, person in a car, there's only one person and it's the driver. Sometimes you have multiple people in there, but not all the time. And most of the time, it's probably just one person for the majority of the time. Yep. Um, and there, so if you have a touchscreen, you cannot figure out what to do on it because there's no button to push unless you look at it. So if you want to do anything while you're driving the car, you have to look down and orient yourself, find what you're doing and then put it on. I hope to God the Tesla Model S has a really simple, straightforward user interface, but I'm not betting on it. No. I mean, what, what if you accidentally touch the wrong part of the screen while you're driving? Right. And you got to divert your attention to what you're exactly. touching. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds great, you know, and it makes sense for a small portion of it, but I would sure. argue that old school tactile. Mission critical. Yeah. Air conditioner, stereo, put the rest of it on a touchscreen. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, I, I get what he's trying to do, but at the same time, it's like, that's, it's kind of a dangerous thing at that point. Um, it pains me. To put Mr. Musk in a light like this because he is part of a, a elite eternity, elite fraternity of members of the gentleman toast. That's true. So yeah, but we have to dole out the criticism to everyone. He's not immune from criticism. That's true. We gotta we gotta call it like we see it. I wrote a scathing review of his book. <laughs> it wasn't his book. Well, it was, it was book, about him. A book that somebody wrote about. Him. That. So, I'm not going to pull any punches. No? I don't care. Look, Elon, I know we're buddies and everything, right. but look, we're going to call it like we see it. This is constructive criticism. It is. I think you take it well. We're saving you some lawsuits, mm-hmm. some some heartache, yeah, some headaches. Exactly. So anyway, Glenn, I feel like, you know, the, it just, it's getting a little bit too far, and I think that we're starting to see some of that now with some, you know, this, this actor getting in this accident, and it's just a terrible thing, and it's just like some... The first thing I thought about when I saw that was like some person that designed that system caused somebody to die and caused a hundred accidents because they were thinking about the marketing instead of the actual function of the device. Or even worse, it was a, wouldn't it be cool if it could yep. do exactly. without thinking. I mean, and how many times have we been in a 
meeting where somebody said, "Oh, well, this should do this or that," you yep. know, and it's like it has no, it has no use point other than somebody thinks it would be cool. Literally, it would be cool. Were the first right, you know, right three words out of their mouth. So uh, really, think, you know, it really comes down to companies that have to start understanding the difference between, you know, making something useful and making something for marketing. And and people always all the stuff that. If you go back and look at cars from the 80s, mm-hmm. um, there was all this cool marketing technology. Like They all had computers in them where they the, the door... Like Automatic a, transmission. Well, no. I mean, like, <laughs> if you open the door, there would be a computer voice that would be like, the doors are ajar, the doors are ajar. <laughs> and they'd have like... It would be like a false computer because it was like, that was cool marketing. It wasn't really doing anything, but it was all marketing System stuff. armed. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I just I just saw this thing the other day. It was from a 1986 Nissan Maxima or something, and it was like all they they had the talking computer and everything. It was just like to the nth degree. It was supposed to be like a computer in your car, but it was all a sham. This you know is like I mean? Night Rider. Yeah, it, but it was a complete sham. It was just like you know a total marketing thing, and I mean that's what we're seeing right now. Is ex- except it's with touchscreens and you know checking social media on your car. That's ridiculous. So anyway, well, hopefully we're seeing we're going to see a sea change in this, and you heard it here first. Yeah, I mean, especially after we sue them for the patent infringement on the MTS. That's right. Um, we're gonna look. We'll settle out of court. Right. Apple's just the first. Right. And you know we're moving on to the car. If you compute, it. right, and spit you out numbers. Must, <laughs> if you, if, you, if, if you the compute, numbers compute. You can't refute. You can't refute. VMTS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. It's okay, like guys. a billboard of us, like, put it on rubber or yeah. leather gloves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Glenn, moving on from that right. topic. Uh, okay, it's time for the final segment of the podcast, uh, Podcast 91. Uh, it's time for the question from the gentleman mailbag. And mm. um, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you're patriotic, Glenn. I didn't say we both are. Oh, yeah, we're both patriots. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so the 4th of July is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, just about uh, five days away, six mm-hmm. days away, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was curious, what is your favorite patriotic movie of all time? Um, this is hard. There's is hard. a lot of great patriotic movies. Yep. I'm not going to list them off because I don't want to maybe spoil your answer. Yep. But immediately, the first one I thought of. I know what you're going to say. You knew what I was going to say. Yep, go for it. Independence Day. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I love that movie. It's not great. It's it's a great movie. Uh, who's saying it's not great? Uh, I would say it's not great. It's not. It's not. Uh, it didn't win any awards. Let's well. put it this way: critics don't like it. It's yeah. not great in a timeless sense. Did Top Gun win any awards? It I don't know, did it? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think it was up for Best, best sound, Picture. Best Soundtrack. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. But Independence Day is my favorite. Every year, we're going to watch it on, mm-hmm. on Independence Day. Yeah. It's just what we do. My family. But yeah. uh, my wife loves it's it. It's a good... Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. Actually, everybody I know loves that movie. I don't know a single person who doesn't like that movie. Who doesn't like Independence Day? Not a patriot. Russians. Russians, exactly. Mm-hmm. They also don't like 1980s hockey movies. That's right. The Olympics. Uh-huh. 
Uh, we know what that's about. That's right. Um, USA. USA. <laughs> that's a good answer. Independence Day. And Independence Day 2 is just coming out. Uh, I don't. It's dead to me. I don't know. I, it might. It is might be. Will Smith in it? No. Okay. It's not. They've good. got a substitute. It's like his son or, or it's his son or something. Oh, okay. But not a real Not life. a real. Not Jaden Smith. No. Um, they do have Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. So I am holding out hope here. Jeff Goldblum and. Um, Jada Pinkett? No, and uh, uh, not Jada Pinkett. Not Jada Pinkett. What's her um, name? Uh, she was in like five '90s movies. Yeah, I know who you're talking about Vivica Fox. Yeah, Vivica Fox and uh, Bill Pullman. And oh yeah, Bill the Pullman president. is actually in it. Yeah, is he not the president anymore? Probably no. his term up. His, his term's, term's up. up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is he gonna fly the plane? I don't know. Oh man. Well, now you got to go see and find out. Oh, I guess I do have to. Yep. You know, I'll do it. All these sequels, they're going to get me one way or another to watch you it. You should go. You should check it out. Is it going to open on Independence Day? I think it's already... I mean, it's going to be open next... This this week? I don't know. Sometime. All right. Maybe I'll watch it on Independence Day. No, I won't. i got to watch the first one. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> it's tradition. Yeah. All right, Brian. What about you? <laughs> well, that was a, yeah, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> we so I, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't know. I, I can't remember which episode it was because we've done 90 of them. But at some point, we've talked about this before and um i you know maybe maybe eight years ago i would have said something else here maybe i would have said top gun maybe i would have said uh you know independence day i don't know the patriot maybe um the patriot maybe yes um mel gibson mel gibson (laughs) an australian (laughs) an australian um but (laughs) but several years ago i was I was witness to something that uh, changed my life forever. Okay. Um, when I first started dating Laura, okay, um, she invited me over and we watched the ultimate patriotic movie. Uh, I mean, ever made. Okay. And uh, it's a little movie called Gettysburg. Ooh, that and is a good movie. It was Fourth of July. And we watched... Gettysburg is like a 10-hour movie. It's epic. It is I don't an know, epic. I don't know. It might be 16 hours. I don't know. It's very long. Uh, but the point is, uh, me and her and a couple of her friends watched Gettysburg, and we had some drinks. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good time. And I, I really enjoyed the movie, Gettysburg. Um, it's a great... If, if anybody out there hasn't seen it, it's like a Civil War drama uh, all about Gettysburg, obviously, but it, it was like a TV miniseries or something yeah. produced by Ted Turner. Yeah, it, it just has a it's weird, like a late nineties, maybe or early nineties. Yeah, it's a late nineties or something. It, it, it has the weirdest origin. Yeah, of whatever. It wasn't like a feature film or anything like that, no. but it it actually spawned a feature film that was like a sequel. Yeah, because it was so popular. Um, so. Anyway, I think my dad is, has both of those. Yeah, yeah, and me too. I do as well. Um, <laughs> nice. So uh, the, the sequel is called Gods and Generals, mm-hmm. um, which I don't believe I've seen yet. Laura actually, I, I was on Laura's case last year, Fourth uh, of July. I was like, we have to watch Gettysburg, and so she went out and she found it in the Walmart six dollar bin. Yeah, the the old classic, you know. Uh, DVD deals. Wait, so she actually went to Walmart specifically to look in the six dollar bin? I think she was there for something else, and I was like, "We've got, we've got to watch this movie." And so she went and like slogged through the six dollar oh, movies. Man, that is a bottomless pit. And found Gettysburg and Gods and Generals, 
at, as one oh wow as one package package, package deal. Um, so anyway, but we start. I think we started watching it last year, but we ran out of time or something. I don't remember what happened. Anyway, Glenn, <laughs> it's only sixteen hours, bro. <laughs> Point is. I'm going to be here alone for 4th of July. <laughs> so I'm going to be able to uh, do whatever I want. And that means... Uh, wear a three-quarter hat? Uh, yeah, I'll be wearing a three-quarter hat. Uh, put like a big gray or baby blue uh, yeah. suit on. And, uh, you know, I have my backyard. Some I can shoot shoes. Some, shoot some cannons off there. <laughs> Recreate the Battle of Gettysburg in my backyard. If you see me back there, like, crawling around... <laughs> Oh man, this is when this is when uh, you need some like cameras on your porch. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that would. Yeah, wow. I think that that could be a good Fourth of July there. So, yeah. are you saying that Gettysburg is a more patriotic movie than Independence Day? I think that they're different. I don't. I would. I say, don't see how they're any different at all. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that they're different types of patriotism. You know, uh, look. In one movie, uh, a small insurgent of Americans yes. fought invading aliens. Right. In another movie, mm-hmm. uh, there was an alien invasion. Mm-hmm. So I really don't see what the difference is. Yeah, it's true. Spaceships, I guess you got that. Yeah. But well, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. So it's a, it's a. So I gotta say, going into it, I. Uh, I knew it was going to be like five hours long, and I was not looking forward to it. I was like, oh, this movie's going to be like five hours long. I'm not going to like it. I'm be sitting here on the couch, and I'm like, crap. And then <laughs> I started watching it, and I was like, oh, yeah. I got into it. I got, I got sucked in, you know? Like, And you know, then you're like gripped by it. And then I was like, I got to, you know, I, I was eagerly awaiting the whole thing. It's one of those movies where you know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. But you still are like, oh, he can't. You know, he can't lose this battle. The, yeah. the Confederacy will die if they lose this. How does it end? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my my dad's a big history buff. When we were little, we went to Gettysburg. When I was little, we went to Gettysburg mm-hmm. and D.C. and went yep. to all these museums and all these battlefields and everything. And the, I loved it as a kid. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I, but we're trying to watch that. Though. My dad tried to have me watch that with him. And I was like, Dad, this is boring. Yeah. You know, this is... This is way longer than Nickelodeon, any show on there. Right. So, Pete and Pete. Yeah, <laughs> and repeat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So anyway, that's that's, that's my patriot. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know Gettysburg was. Oh yeah. Was up your alley. Mm-hmm. It's right up there. So have you been to Gettysburg? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Never been. I was pretty little, so yeah. I don't really remember much except the Rolling Hill. Yeah. Some I, kind. Yeah. Never been, but. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Hey, maybe maybe some Fourth of July, you'll mm-hmm. be at Gettysburg, and then you'll watch Gettysburg. I'll have like a flying iPad next <laughs> yeah. to me that has Gettysburg With playing. No physical controls. Exactly. Just a touch. Just screen. my mind. Just your mind. Hopefully, I don't know. That'd be a good Fourth of July. Yeah, it would. Mm-hmm. Okay, Glenn. Well, that was episode ninety-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to episode ninety-two, just after the Fourth of July. That's right. Um, the fifth, I believe. Yes. Yes. The yes, something like that. Something. It's like the eighth. You're right. I'm all. But uh, anyway, doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, thanks everybody for listening to episode 91. Uh, don't forget to send a letter over to the Gentleman Podcast, PO Box four four two three zero five Lawrence, Kansas six six zero four four. 
Um, and we will catch you in two weeks for episode 92. That's right. 92. Wow. Uh, everybody have a good 4th of July. Have a good week. And we will talk to you next time. Stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>